Yeah, because Igor wanted to come out and be like, it is shit yes, when he yeah. talked. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, he had a slide that said, yeah. we're shipped. It's, this is available right now. And it's like, well, well. Well, so they, they that, that slide was at the end because he was like waiting for one of the <laughs> other Ember Data Core team members uh, who was in the audience, like, like give him the thumbs up. You know, <laughs> it's done, but but it, it, uh, unfortunately, it was like so, thirty minutes after. It I gotta, is shit. I gotta tell you, like uh, that talk was so much fun. Welcome to another sort of Ember weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here with Robert Jackson and Dan McLean of yep. Emberland fame. I am super excited. Ember weekend land. Ember weekend land. Ember island. Ember is land. Ember is land. Okay, two point two point oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the actually, Island is the best beta. because we're on, beta. <laughs> yes. we're on the island for Thompson Island, so yeah. Island is, I it's, think, it was working for me. Yeah. I'm fine. But with isn't that. it Thompson Island? So, yeah, it's, Tom, it's now Thompson Island. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so we had uh, on our on a previous episode, we talked about how uh, this was either going to be a horror show, put two hundred developers onto an island for two days. And it's either going to be a, a horror story or it's going to be the best thing ever. And I, I want to say it turned out pretty good. And it could have been catastrophic because we could have lost a huge chunk of the Amber community. I think there was four yeah. core team members out here too. Yes. So. And, well, and a all on the good chunk. All on the same boat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that happen? There was yeah. three of them on the Whoa. same boat this morning. Oh, I'm not my a big goodness. fan of boats, guys. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like Jaws out there in Boston Harbor somewhere. Pause. Pause. That's yep. right. Yeah. So we discovered uh, through, uh, through going through some of uh, Brian's talks... He enlightened us and showed us that that the the wicked good Ember logo is actually a half kitten, no, a kitten wearing a shark a, a shark suit with a rocket pack. Also, I mean, that seems totally legit. And yeah. they were looking for an acronym. I came up with it. Pretty awesome, wicked smart. What? Yep. That's so good. <laughs> so good, pro. So, uh, so okay. So I want to ask you guys some questions. You guys are the are the the people who are in the trenches doing doing some of the hard work. Um, so, what were your thoughts of this conference, and uh, and what do you think? Uh, you know, like the movement. So, I know these are kind of disparate topics, but uh, moving from uh, the, with Ember two with one one thirteen and Ember two, and then having four four days, and then a conference, a big conference. How well, did that impact you guys? Let's ask Rob how his weekend was first. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't get much sleep, but other than that, I think it went okay. Oh yeah, um, when did it? When did uh, when did Ember two land? Beta. Beta one landed at eleven thirty three, a Midway Island time. Midway Island time. It was still the twelfth. So yeah. So what were your favorite talks? Yeah, I, there was actually so favorite in first one. I kind of liked a bunch of them. I think that uh, Excel stock was great. It was really good to see, um, you know, how you can use you know, Ember for building desktop applications. You can kind of use all the things you already know and package it up. I think, you know, it, it made me think about like a great use case of that is basically, you know, having, you know, like if you're, a co- if you're an enterprise and you have to support IE8, but you can, almost every enterprise will let you have like an installed local application. So you can kind of bundle that and get rid of the crazy old DOM. And it actually came out of like something we delivered. Like it w- this isn't just like an academic exercise. We delivered, do- we see being dockyard in Excel leading that group help deliver a app that is in like a studio with a bunch of bikes that yeah I was about to say it's doing real time data collection yep. and, yeah, and data aggregation cool. from actual devices that's yeah. really really interesting I think they're to like, see that like Arduino 50. sort of style you know embedded devices collecting data reporting over website like all sorts of really yeah. awesome things well you wouldn't think like Ember would be a fit but it was like they actually were using like 
Windows technology in USB and moved oh, wow. over to like we're gonna do a web server and then we came to them like let's do web sockets because it'll be smoother because you won't have this like request receive cycle and yeah. the web sockets end up being a lot smoother yeah and I think they end up the final apps actually running on their Windows boxes that they are yeah like we because didn't change of, the back end technology the yeah. technology it's it's running the Ember app as a compiled app like an EXE on the Windows platform yeah it's really so so the deploy targets was was the highlight to me the fact that you can just uh, press a little button and now you can deploy to Mac and Linux and uh, and Windows, and Windows, geez, like There's that is a, usually an afterthought, and it was cool that that was a, a priority, especially because yeah. the people were concerned. Yeah, yeah and that was target, our requirement. Their yeah. target was Windows. They have a bunch of Windows machines there. Like they're going to eventually, like they want to see like on an iPad or something. But like the existing hardware is Windows, so that right. was the deployment target. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Chase and I have worked on some Node WebKit stuff before. I did not realize that the platform was that mature. Have you have you run into like maturity issues when you're you with your experience with the no, it's always been pretty easy. I didn't actually know that they had like so when I worked on it, it was before they had renamed I guess NWJS. But uh, right. but I was really looking forward to this talk. It was actually something I really want to. Uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to do. I'd, I'd like to do with this. I, I do it to a ton of stuff with uh, Arduino. Um, I mean, this is really going to come in handy. And uh, and also we're looking into Ember CLI Cordova. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think really Cordova like has a, a lot of like, momentum too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full just like mobile, web, uh, and yeah. desktop. And then and then you write that that you know that universal API where all of your apps hit that API. Which I'm I'm doing air quotes. You can't see that, listeners, but <laughs> air quotes. Yeah. So uh, so Dan, what was your what was the talk that that spoke to you the most? A I'm not saying one, the best. A big one for me was Nathan's talk on accessibility. Like I've been trying to say that we need to be more accessible because accessibility is this thing that most developers overlook. But when you're accessible, it makes the world a difference to a bunch of people that you don't know. Like how many people know somebody who has a seeing impairment or like can't like is literally blind. Like they right. can't see, and you don't talk to those people typically, so you don't know. Nathan actually brought up one of his coworkers and had him go through the screening process, and it's like we can see stop, like we can see this page change, but like with the way Ember is before his RFC, RFC six, I think it's sixty six, sixty six, yeah. yep. Um, that like to the screen reader, nothing changed. It was like the route changed, the the display changed, but like as a person yeah. who can't see that it actually changed, they didn't know it changed, and yeah. that is it was like, silent. It was just silence, and you yep. could hear it through. It was a very powerful uh, illustration of of the accessibility concerns. I think I. I was kind of thought he didn't click the link for a couple of times. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, well, we, I, like he was, didn't, like... No, because I, I couldn't see the screen, so yeah. I'm like, wait. <laughs> I couldn't see either. It's like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> Did you click, no, click it. Click, yeah. click yeah. it, yeah. No, but it's it's totally yeah. something that, you know, you can you can say, oh, I'll turn on voiceover and see if the text display reads right for this button. But you, you don't, don't use the full app from scratch. Like, right. it's not a thing. You're not used And even to. if you did, you're not an expert in using it. Like, you haven't yeah. been using it. Because it's totally different. Um, There's a lot of head nodding going on, listeners. Yes. <laughs> Jenison yes, was I actually totally saying, too, that, like, it is when they click a link, they expect it to talk immediately. And when he clicked the link in his example, it was, like, silence, Rob was saying, yeah. silent. And absolutely. that is, like, yeah. that silence was yeah. deafening in his Yeah, sense it, it, it absolutely no was. Yeah, I, you could just hear it kind of, like, wash over the crowd. Uh, the the thing that I want to take away from that talk, I want to definitely mention, is that he was saying you should test your apps specifically uh, targeting uh, Safari screen readers with macOS. That is and kind then, of the uh, and uh, NVDA, uh, which is the which is the the Windows corollary to the macOS. And he was also saying that don't don't wait for your clients to ask you for accessibility. You know, suggest it to them. A lot of clients, I mean, they don't even think about it. They're asking you for like we you know we do like crazy apps for just moving companies or something that, that accessibility isn't even a thought to them. It's not even in their budget. And that was what Nathan was saying. Like, how many, he asked the crowd, how many people have it in their budget? And I think maybe yeah. one or two hands out of about 200 people 
Well, I mean, the the thing that struck me is that you know at, at um, you know where we work, we 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 all work for you know for for conssultancies we yep. do this for a living this is we make these apps we, should we make the this. best apps yeah. Yeah. we, we should, should have this. we should have known all of this and we should think and about we should, it and we should have been embarrassed that it was so horrible and, and i was embarrassed and the amount of code you had to add to actually get the effect wasn't was much tiny and yeah. i actually heard people in the audience like saying oh you know you can actually make this smaller if you just use this or that yeah yeah, yeah. so it's there's already people get, thinking yeah there's, it's probably going to get yeah. a lot more I, even more connected. And, yeah i already started bike shedding the implementation details of the rfc but so this rfc is the first step so i was talking to him a little bit after there's other additional things like if you have an if conditional where you're right you're switching your output that's not going to do any like you're not going to yeah. know right now and that's yeah. like the next step is Absolutely. those yeah. sw- swappings yeah, yeah. The, what, the, the thing that's very difficult for me is like you know it's not always the right thing to change because the proposal of the RFC is essentially that you when the outlet renders uh, like you switch from one route to another route and the outlet re-renders you focus that content and that will cause the screen reader to then read back that or like focus on that content and read, start reading it back Unfortunately, it's not a silver bullet because, like, if you were focused in a text field and that caused the route, like, you were in the middle of that, like, now you've lost focus. So it's it's not as simple as just doing this one thing. But this one thing can solve like eighty five percent of the, the the problem. At least with, get yeah, us the better. Problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Starting to move in the right direction. Yeah. Absolutely. And to note too, he said this is like a a implementation that we can start talking about. Like yeah, he was yeah. just doing something yes, that they can absolutely. have the yeah. discussion. Yeah. And and he's a really good speaker too. I, yeah. I have not heard Nathan speak before, and and I got to tell you like. The, it was actually an emotional talk. I feel like I was kind of moved by that. It was great. Um, and and uh, to that end, one of the one of the quotes that really really uh, struck a chord with me was, uh, "If your clients and we already kind of mentioned it, if your clients aren't bringing up accessibility as a requirement, why don't you bring it up to them?" And that was Jenison, the the coworker that Nathan asked to to come up there and kind of explain a, a, a typical use case scenario, and it was very very uh, impactful. So content-wise, um, I, I really liked Igor's talk. Uh, I mean, I love all the, the, the changes to Timberdate itself. You know, I always thought that the, you know, kind of like the, I'm going to call find, uh, it may or may not trigger, you know, a call to the server um, was a little weird. Um, so those changes are all, all good. Uh, but experience-wise or like uh, um, Chris C's talk was, was, yeah. was really, really good. It was, it was, it's, it's way off. I mean, it's so far off. But uh, but at least it's you know it's something to think. And I like about. I like some of the callbacks that he made to to like Hypercard. ancient yeah. ancient like documents where you're like what how this is 22 years ago people were having these same discussions that we're having yeah. today and now the the answers that were or the questions that were unanswered uh, then are are their answers to them now so I mean where could we go from from there I, I, that was super cool I, I mean, totally thought that was and Rob has worked on some of it. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I mean, the conductor and Oasis work that that I've done in the last I don't know two months, month and a half, um, has been has been super super fun. It's it's very uh, so sometimes it's fun to like paint yourself in a box. Oh, you can only communicate with the sort of iframe post message type style stuff, and then you you start thinking, oh, well, I'll just add a function. Well, that doesn't get serialized right, or or whatever. So um, so figuring out how everything communicates back and forth, you know, and then. What we ended up doing was we we basically had like six Ember apps running on the same page without an iframe, and then had a separate one in an iframe controlling all of those other ones, and it worked perfectly, and it was very fast, and it was just not a thing that I had thought about doing before, but uh, but it wasn't that hard to do, and of course you can't at least today you can't nest uh, Ember apps inside of each other, but they were they were essentially siblings on the page, you know, like uh, like if you imagine like a Facebook cards or, or you know app cards that that kind of thing, but it was it was really neat. Uh, it was cool technology, 
you know, um, and uh, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm still working on it for a couple more weeks, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And go back to Igor's talk. Igor was actually sh- trying to ship as much as he could until I was like, yes. yeah, you're not going to ship. Yes. So yeah. unfortunately, wanted- unfortunately, uh, so Ember 113 and 113 O and the first uh, publishing of the build for 113.1 also had an IEA problem. So we we talking about Ember Ember itself. Okay, yeah. Ember itself. So you know, so then as as Stanley uh, was was figuring out uh, Stanley on the Ember Data Core team mm-hmm. was figuring out like what's going on debugging Ember uh, Data for IE8. He's like, wait, Ember 113 is not working either. What is happening? So then I essentially didn't uh, didn't uh, process the output for I. IE8 or ES3 safety. So like there was a bunch of modules that had the uh, dot default, which is not valid in ES3. So uh, so so Stanley's trying to fix Ember data and then and then got stuck because Ember was itself busted as well. Yeah, because so. Igor wanted to come out and be like, it is shipped yes, when he yeah. talked. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know he had a slide that said yeah. we're shipped. It's, this is available right now, and it's like, well, well. Well, so they they that that slide was at the end because he was like waiting for one of the <laughs> other Ember data core team members. Uh, who was in the audience? Like, like give him a thumbs up. You know, <laughs> it's done. But, but it, it, uh, unfortunately, it was like so, thirty minutes after. It I got ship. I gotta tell you, like thirty uh, minutes after that talk was so much fun because he was trying to cram so much content in it. Every single time, like, like I saw Brian kind of waving down, like, you got five minutes. And then the five minutes were up, and he's, like, still, like, totally talking and new he was, content. He was talking fast. Like, it wasn't like he was yeah. taking his time. He was, like, ramble, like, go, 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 and putting yeah. out yeah. all these points. And, and then and then finally, finally, Brian's like, hey, like, I'm sorry, but we have a schedule. Uh, we got to do it. And, and, like, he kind of, like, gave this, like, kind of, like, hey, man, like, this this, this flag, this wave. And uh, and then and then he's like, okay, and he had to get to the final <laughs> slide, going. and he had to keep pressing the the right arrow yep. to get all the way to his like thank you slide. And yeah. I was like, dude, so much content, so good. If you looked at when he stopped, he was like less than three quarters of the way yeah. through like yeah, his yeah. slide. Oh yeah, can we talk just about the the memory footprint of how many tabs he had oh, on his Chrome yeah, yeah. screen? Oh wait, that wasn't that much. Oh no, no, he, 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 he wasn't I know, that I know that was just one of multiple. Yeah. Yeah. He still had favicons, but that was all you could see in those tabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At a certain point, they lose the favicon. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and he, he was also, I'm sure he was creating. Like, he was over there on his like like on his laptop, actively creating like new slides. 10 minutes before. Yep. Yeah. Like yep. he was still Yeah, no, I, I saw him and like he looked like he was in the zone. I was talking to Robert like right next to him and Rob's like, "How you doing, Igor?" And he's just like oh, you can't see that. He's like, "Hold on, hold on. One second. Just wait." Uh so that was super fun. That was that was really cool. Uh yeah, so I guess it's my turn. Uh I'm going to talk about uh, Adolfo Bulis's talk, which I know how to pronounce his name. We we had we talked about this in a previous episode. Uh, he has a, a command that you pipe to say in Linux that helps you pronounce his name. So Adolfo Builes was talking about Ember Watson and uh, and ASTs and and basically like first off the thing that blew my mind was he was talking about uh, uh, it, it all originated from Perl scripts uh, that basically it fell apart and at a certain point he realized that he had to use uh, a, a parser to, to figure it out. Uh, so uh, yeah, so Adolfo was talking about all this stuff, and one of the things that was uh, very interesting to me was not only the origin story and, and kind of what it does. Uh, he, he walked through how it uses the visitor pattern and, uh, and and some of the technical specs, but he's also like planning on pushing this forward. And I know in Igor's talk, he mentioned that he's going to try to utilize Ember Watson to help people upgrade to JSON API and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and, and uh, so we're we're getting ready to put together. Hopefully, by the time this is out, actually, there should be an RFC for the new Ember module syntax, the ESX module syntax. So you can stop importing Ember from Ember, which is kind of whacked. 
Um, <laughs> and and hopefully you can you you'll be able to import component from Ember dash component that kind and, of thing. And I know at Darkyard we've been taking like we've imported Ember and done destructuring to kind of get us at yeah. the shim. So it's like we just remove that destructure and now we can just bring in those yeah. those shims. So I'm stuff. I'm hoping that that Ember Watson we can write an Ember Watson script to say okay anywhere where you have Ember dot router dot route or Ember dot component that you can then just like remove that, replace it with just component, and then put the right import at the top and remove the, the duplicate import. Uh, it should totally be automatable, at least massively automatable. There will still be some things to fix, you know, and some, some various like customizations that you may have done, but it should make it a lot easier. So we went through our talks that we we wanted to highlight, but there are still four other amazing talks. Like, yeah. we're talking about four right now, but there are four other great ones. So, um, uh, yeah, Michael North had an awesome talk about making everything composable uh, in terms of, like, your components, your styles, everything. That was a great and talk. And your computed properties, yep. CPM. The, the one, one of the things that I, I really enjoyed from this talk was seeing the sort of the page object uh, pattern shown. And, you know, essentially he built an actual object with a constructor for your tests to make your tests in themselves much easier to reason about and, and easier to uh, to deal with. Yeah, because we talk, I was talking, Brian immediately came to me and was like, we should do some of the stuff for testing with like, they're bringing data attributes just for testing. And we were talking about taking that one step further and stripping those when you do your production build. So like they're there for testing, but now you're thinning out your payload. Yeah, and you can totally do that with handlebars, AST parsers and a prod build when you're not running tests. It'd be pretty trivial. So also, uh, John Kleinschmidt had an awesome talk about taking Ember offline. Yeah, where... and, or he, he's working with uh, with charitable hospitals in developing countries. And this was uh, another one of those talks where it kind of gave me the feels, where I was looking at it and saying, like, look at how uh, like how relevant the technology we're trying to build, like what wh where the the, the the pain points and where we're trying to push the the envelope. And and it's really helpful when you start thinking about like developing countries with uh, network con connectivity issues and some other things. It's very, very interesting to see uh, how you can take that offline. Steph had a great talk about getting rid of observers and the side effects that they create, which are ultimately super painful and you don't even know it. Right. This talk had me cracking up the whole time. I don't know if you guys were laughing at that, but basically like we came in and we're like, all right, so Steph is gonna bash on observers for, for like 35 minutes right. or something like that. And it turned out to be much more interesting than 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 just a, a bashing of observers. And then, and then he gave in and he was like, look, here's the one time you can use it. Oh, by the way, that's not even necessary anymore, so never use it. <laughs> yep. Like, that's, yeah. basically, that's basically the yeah. lesson. Yeah, it was it was it was fun to see uh, like there there are are hooks that are tr are are trying to be introduced or he's trying to introduce hooks that will allow um, the use of observer type things like the, the the things that necessitate observers can be replaced with these hooks, and especially yeah. like using computers. So computers are lazily evaluated, where observers are eagerly evaluated. So every time you change code and you're using observer, you're always calculating that, and everywhere is going to fail that. Where if it's a computer, you're only using it if you're actually by, like trying to get it. And he was also saying, like, uh, you know, a lot of times you look over and you're like, well, it's just one observer. I just have this one observer here. And he was saying it, it like, pollutes your entire app because it, it makes your entire app. Yeah, and he showed the object graph that was so vast. And it was like, if any one of these things changes, uh, every one of these observers is going to recompute. And it, it affects models going all the way back to the root uh, node. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the Jay Phelps talk was really awesome. And, you know, the, the things that he's... Well, he released graffiti. Yeah, he, he released graffiti just before the talk. And the thing he's talking about is essentially graffiti uses HTML bars to build 
essentially native web components for uh, that can be interchangeable between Ember Apps, React, Angular, those guys, uh, or I suppose playing HTML if you weren't using a framework. Um, you know, and, and so you can build these graffiti um, these graffiti components. They look very similar, very very good as like straight ES6 components. You know, you class, you know, my foo. Um, I, li I like that you mentioned that ES6 and, and ES7 and Babel were, were first class citizens in graffiti. Yeah, I think that's that's great. I am, I'm still not 100% sure exactly how we, like at what point would you might decide to use a graffiti component versus an ember component. And, and maybe eventually, uh, you know, you could just choose one or the other. I think right now you still want both in some cases and that kind of stuff. And so to kind of tie two talks together, Graffiti seems like something that the card stack stuff that Christy was talking about would actually work really well because now you have a way to render it in like whatever app you're in right, yeah. with graffiti where like the whole part of the card stack yeah. is to share parts between the disparate apps. Yeah. yeah. And and you know the other the other thing is uh, so we talked I talked a little bit with Jay afterwards and uh, you know we 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 would like to make a, an Ember CLI add-on where you can have like an app slash graffiti uh, folder and then it's essentially like the pod structure where you can have the component the template. And and uh, the styles, and they just basically uh, would would precompile as part of the regular app build, and we should be able to get that to work uh, pretty straightforwardly. the The thing that's pretty neat is another another part of what he explained was how he's resetting the styles for just the web component Shadow DOM itself. So another thing to just mention because I don't think we have said it yet, but we're we're basically talking about all these talks that were awesome, and potentially all of you listening haven't been able to see them. Uh, all the talks were recorded on Confreaks. They will be online. We'll post links to them from um, wikigoodember.com, I'm and sure. And Emberland will include it in their notes, and Ember Weekend will include it in their notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the, the, con the videos are up shortly. All right. So thanks for listening. This has been uh, pretty great. Um, thanks for coming out, y'all. Yep. Thanks for coming out to Boston. Boston. Yeah. Wicked yeah. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all for this Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson, and this kind of Ember Weekend. Crossover land. Crossover I land. Eh, something. We'll 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 come up with a post. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I'm RWJ Blue, uh, and I'm out of beer, so we gotta go. Yep. And yep. I'm Dan McLean. Get Robin beer. Sorry for the poor audio quality. We're not actually in control of audio. That's Robert, actually. Uh, RWJ Blue. Uh, I'm about to buy him a beer. Oh, we and, also oh, had lunch. Oh, the the Keytar Bear. Oh, the so, Keytar ah. Bear. What? The Boston legend. If you're in Boston <laughs> and you're around like the Common or like Park Street Station, or you'll see this guy around. He's got a bear suit playing a Keytar. I mean, how much more awesome? I had that? no idea how he was doing it. He has actual paws. And he's wearing them as he's playing the guitar, and he's really good. Yeah, like, he really played good. Eye of the Tiger at one point. Yeah, he, like, he played like three or four Daft Punk songs. Yep. I was blown out of the out of the water. It was so good.